0: Hey guys, welcome to We Love Lucy. We're a podcast. I'm Allison Werma.
1: Corinne Eckhart.
0: I'm Molly Lyons.
1: Okay, so what's this podcast going to be about?
0: We are here to talk to you about I Love Lucy because we are ladies and we care about TV and comedy and we're all ladies who work in media. Uh, Lucille Ball is obviously a seminal figure in the history of female comedians on TV. There are a lot of people today, millennials, us included, who don't know much about Lucy and don't or don't know enough about Lucy. So we are going to be learning right along with you. And how are we going to do that?
1: We'll watch one episode of I Love Lucy each week, starting with the pilot, and then we'll stick to the episodes available on Hulu or Amazon Prime. It's not all the episodes, but it is a majority, and we want you, our listeners, to be able to follow along with us. Why are we doing this?
2: Well, as three women in media, we recognize the capacity for content on all different kinds of platforms to start conversations so we thought we would use this podcast to provide a space to have a conversation about women in media from their portrayals to their contributions. And using Lucy as a touchstone, we can discuss where we are, where we've been, and potentially where we're going. Okay, so let's talk about our relationships to Lucy. Uh, Allie, you wanna start?
0: I feel like I would credit my mom as being the one for introducing me to I Love Lucy. I remember distinctly from my childhood, you know, we'd have a fridge full of magnets, but we had the one from the Chocolate Factory episode on my fridge, and I remember watching that episode with my mom when I was little, and she was always a big fan of I Love Lucy. She still says now that that was one of her favorite shows from childhood. So I think I got my first awareness of Lucy from her.
1: So I am aware of I Love Lucy as a TV show and I definitely haven't watched all the episodes
0: and a lot of them are not available on the internet right they're secret
1: so I know all the like familiar beats the chocolate shop and stomping on the grapes and the vegemite vitamin
0: vegemite vitamin I we're going to have to learn how to say that during the episode
1: so this will be my first time watching a lot of the episodes. You know, it's interesting to see where a female comedian started and really changed the industry.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's been fasc- fascinating to learn more about her, but as a kid, for me it was just like, here's a funny lady, which feels like <laughs> life-changing or it just feels revolutionary now, but I for me it was al- it was always on TV Land or Nick at Night. So it was either the show I watched when I stayed home from school sick mm-hmm. or when I stayed up past my bedtime when Nick and became Nick at Night, so it was like it was this fun thing where I was like getting to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that I think about Lucy a lot is that I never, as a kid, was like, "Look at that beautiful woman." It was like, "Look at that silly woman," and how awesome is it that she's just so silly? And now, as we've been sort of rediscovering the show together, to like recognize that Lucille Ball was like stunning, but it was mm-hmm. never—it's never what I thought of. It's not what was registering for me as a kid. It was like, "Here's a show ab- just about this girl." being goofy and I think that's why I was so drawn to it.
0: Yeah and that's one thing as we've been reading and doing research is like all of the books we've read or anything we've read online like what Lucille Ball would always say is she was silly more than she was beautiful. You know she wasn't glamorous compared to the other women of that era but she was because have you seen her?
1: (laughs) Right and she was always willing to put herself Mm -hmm. in situations where she wasn't like the prettiest one but she's the funniest Mm -hmm. one and so that's probably how we all got here, how she got here, and now how we're doing this podcast. (laughs)
0: Thanks, Luz. (laughs) Luce, we're already in nickname
2: terms with her? We're very familiar. (laughs) Very close.
1: Okay, so you want to talk about Lucy and Desi as a couple?
2: I mean, I do. It's all I ever want to do. Molly's couple goals, hashtag couple goals, is Lucy and Desi. I mean, aren't we all just out here looking for our Desi? I mean, I know I am. (laughs) But I, I think... That's the other thing that's so fascinating and bizarre about this show is that it was the first time we saw a real-life couple on television. I think one of the things people know about the show most of all is like being in their bedroom. And they, had, they made them have two different beds. But uh, so Lucy, uh, she came up through um, the movies. She was a Goldwyn girl. She was a chorus girl. Um, same <laughs> story of all of our lives and so she she was just this like beautiful musical dancer and she started to get noticed because whenever they needed a girl to like take a part of the face or do something that would be kind of humiliating mm-hmm. to somebody she would she was the first one to volunteer so she would just get she would get opportunities to do gags um and then so she was doing movies and she was she had a, a radio show and she was this very, you know, busy woman around town, and Desi was a musician and a band leader, and apparently the story goes that they met and it was love at first sight. I actually have a quote from
0: Lucy's book oh, about the first time that they met, because um, they worked together for the first time on the set of Too Many Girls, um, was the right. George Abbott movie. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Um, but so here's the first time that they met from Lucy's book called aptly Love, Lucy. We were filming this scene the day I first first met Desi on the RKO lot. I was wearing a slinky gold lame dress slit up to my thigh, and my long reddish-gold hair fell over my bare shoulders. I also sported a fake black eye where my lover had supposedly socked me. George Abbott was lunching at the studio commissary with the New York cast of Too Many Girls and called me over. Desi reared back at the sight of me. What a honk of a woman, he gasped. I want someone to tell me I'm a honk of a woman. A honk of a woman? (laughs) Yes. Honk? Honk. Like Like a sound of goose. (laughs) A honk of a woman. A honk of a man.
1: Oh my, and then they, like, married in November in the same year, yeah. so, like, m- just months, months was their courtship.
0: Yeah, and there's this great picture, um, they were at some nightclub in New York, which I love that they just, like, were always at nightclubs, They're like, probably more fun than the ones we have now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it seems like Desi worked a lot in them Yeah. as a musician, like, coming up.
0: Oh, but there's a great picture of Lucy and Desi in a nightclub, and I guess that they, they both look very forlorn and sad, because they were having a conversation, and then paparazzi or whatever the equivalent was back then came over and were taking a picture of them but they were having a conversation about how they shouldn't get married and then a week later they got married
2: and oh they eloped in Connecticut yeah wait why should not they have gotten married
0: I think for their careers and like the public didn't necessarily approve of them and
1: and it had only been months <laughs> I know
0: <laughs> a whirlwind courtship
1: <laughs> uh, so Lou is the name of the two of them and it's also the name of their production company but is it the original celebrity couple name
0: yes well cuz i was, trailblazers <laughs> seriously before brangelina rip but look before Tomcat, who else do we have like wasn't jlo and ben affleck Benifer. Jennifer. benifer yes benifer
2: um and he then he was another benifer <laughs> benifer 1 in <and> 2, <laughs> <laughs> two one oh.
0: <laughs> oh what yeah um uh,
2: but Desi was like the original couple's name Lucy. Also, her middle name is Desiree, Lucille Desiree, so it's also just her name twice.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, I wonder if that's like why she liked his name. Maybe,
2: <laughs> right? Less about the two of them,
0: but also like about her. <laughs> so, your type is just a man with your own name?
1: I love it. I'm gonna have to marry like a Gino or something. A G? What's
0: a middle name? Oh. Middle. Anne. You know, so many guys named Anne out there. Andrew. Antonio. Anto- Ooh, I could go for an Antonio. Yeah. That's a, that's that's a like Desi a, vibe. That's like a, 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 a
2: Ricky. It's like a Desi. <laughs> also, the, the the lot that they shot on was the Lou Playhouse they built.
1: Yeah, they called, they called the studio that. Initially, they were looking for a theater because they were doing like a live show in front of people. Mm-hmm. And Then they found, like, a a movie set, essentially, to shoot on, like a soundstage. Mm -hmm. But then they named it The Playhouse.
2: One of the most iconic things about Lucy, I think, which is strange because it's a black and white television show, but everyone knows that she's a redhead. Yes. Right. And so I think it's... Weird that they didn't. In the age of black and white, people were fascinated with the fact that she was redheaded. Yeah.
1: And I think our viewers should know that the two of you, Allison and Molly, are redheads.
2: Very real
0: redheads. As real as Lucy was, yeah. Right.
1: And I guess she dyed her hair red to complement the Technicolor films. Yeah,
0: it was called Tango Red.
1: That was the name of yeah, the hair dye.
0: That's yeah. That's when she went over to MGM. They dyed her hair the brighter red, and it was called Tango Red.
1: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then she kept it, like, forever. Yeah. Okay, so we should talk about uh, the first I Love Lucy show, or the show that gave inspiration to the TV show, mm-hmm. which is a radio program called My Favorite Husband, <laughs> which Desi was not in. But All starred as a character named Liz Cooper, married to a character named George was a banker and he was played by Richard Denning. And the show ran from 1948 to 1951. It aired 124 episodes and their sponsor was Jello.
0: Yum. Yeah, in the book, Love Lucy, my favorite, Um, she talks about that and how she would do the ads for Jello at the end of the radio program. And then when she would do these ads for Jello, she would take inspiration from the radio star Jack Benny and jack benny used to look deadpan into his audience when he would do them and it would get just like tons and tons of laughs so lucy lucy took a page out of his book and she said that she began to mug use her body and turn directly to the audience while doing it and it worked and i feel like that kind of would have been inspiration for why she wanted as we'll discuss later to have a live studio audience for all of the episodes of i love lucy because it's something to feed off of
1: yeah, in, one, in my research I came across uh, like a review of the radio program and they were saying, because the radio program is done in front of a live audience and the live audience would react to Lucy's physical mm-hmm. like movements during the taping and they were saying that while funny over the radio, it's kind of a shame that everyone couldn't actually also see what she right. was doing because her physical movements were also funny.
0: Um, Which is why we will be filming our next episode in front of a live studio audience. We are not doing
2: that. Yes, we are. We're we're in this tiny room right now. All of our imaginary friends will be in the audience. All of our fans will be in the audience. (laughs) So after My Favorite Husband was this big success, uh, she wanted to do a TV show. um, And she pitched that she would do it with her husband, actually playing her husband. And initially that was shot down by the studios. They didn't believe that a woman like Lucille Ball, whatever that means, would believably be married to um, a foreign man.
0: I'm sorry, did they see any pictures of Desi Arnaz? Did they know what he looked like?
1: Yes, and They're
0: also,
1: <laughs> I mean, half her argument was, "Well, he actually is my husband." So,
0: this is rooted in fact. <laughs> it's a reality show.
2: This is the first reality show. It's not
1: like I'm pitching a fiction
0: here. <laughs> they
1: went through a number of steps to actually get it on the air. One of which is an audition script, um, and it was actually based on her real life. So she wasn't a housewife. She was a movie star mm-hmm. named Lucille Ball, and her husband was a band leader. And that script was passed around and eventually sparked interest in NBC. And NBC is a rival network from the initial network, which is CBS. And so that kind of helped them to have a, a rival network be interested. For sure. CBS was like, we better lock this down.
0: Well, things never change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, okay, so then they agreed to cast Desi, but they changed Desi from a banker, which was... George Cooper's character and My Favorite Husband uh, to a band leader, which is his real job.
2: He also didn't have any background as an actor. So people were very curious to see... I, I In reading the books from the, the head writer, Madeline Pugh, she talked about how they were like, is Desi even funny? Like, we don't know. <laughs> and it, it turned out that the way that the head writer would talk about it was that Desi was just so likable. He was such a charming person that people were kind of just... You know, down just to, to watch him do anything, and uh, I think the chemistry between him and Lucy is pretty obvious for sure. And so they said he kind of just took to it like a duck to water,
0: yeah. Their original names, character names were Lucy and Larry Lopez,
1: which is that's too much alliteration, for uh, me.
0: way too much. It's aggressive. I mean, Ricky Ricardo itself is, yeah, a little too, uh, a little too, it's a
1: bit on the nose, <laughs> yeah. Um, I did, I. I was reading the Jess Oppenheimer book, and Jess Oppenheimer was the initial producer of My Favorite Husband, and he is the man responsible for the show, essentially, the one producer. And he, in his book, he talked about the difference in their rehearsal styles, where in table reads or their first practice, Desi would read it off the page, and he'd basically nail it to the point where his performance in front of the audience was very similar to what he did during the rehearsal and Lucy would be actually worse than Desi in these cold reads because her style is like she needs to get the material she needs to kind of wrestle with it Mm -hmm. she needs to find a, a good angle on how to make it funnier And so she would want more rehearsal and Desi would be like, what do you mean? We got it. And he would leave. (laughs) And then she would rehearse with someone like standing in for Desi Uh because she actually needed the practice. And then when she performed, I think we can all agree she's in most cases, the more engaging performer. For sure.
2: Well, it's funny. I in, in that book, they talk about how both of them had a very unique relationship to props. The, the writers learned that, like, give her five days and she will learn how to do anything. So, like, she needs to learn how to play this instrument. She needs to learn how to do some bit. Like, she would just, like, practice and practice and practice. Um, and she'd love to actually be doing the things that are described. While you might actually, like, in most TV, you might fake it. She wanted to actually be doing all the things that her character was doing. And Ricky, I guess similarly He wanted everything to be as real as possible So there was an episode where they needed huge fish And he made them go out and get real fish That were the size that it was supposed to be And it was like so smelly But he was like, no I want real fish Uh, So they both were kind of sticklers To having it be as real as possible um, which is interesting. And I think plays, I, they really go for it in, in all aspects of everything. So let's talk
1: about how I Love Lucy, the TV show, was a unique show for its time and sort of how it set the standard for TV shows even till today. The three-camera setup, which is a standard for TV shows with studio audiences, it, it is the standard now, I guess, but it's it was more the standard between then and now uh-huh. after i love lucy kind of pioneered it um, and they actually got this set up from a game show called truth or consequences i mean you can tell if you are a person who's watching for camera angles you can sort of tell which three shots they have to use mm-hmm. once you're watching the final product
0: and then there's no laugh track on the show there's another way that this show is kind of a pioneer because lucy as we talked about earlier she fed best off of a live audience laughter. And she actually in the book, she mentions that any of the laugh tracks that we might hear nowadays, some of the canned laughter that we might hear in um, a laugh track is probably originally from her one of the episodes of her TV shows.
1: That's amazing. And they got that by setting microphones throughout the studio. They were not only concerned about picking up audio from the actors, but also the reaction.
2: What I didn't realize was that this show was really the first time they tried to do something like this. So they didn't even know how to lay out a theater like they have these examples in the book about how with radio they would just put people in rows of chairs in a room and they like this was the first time they did like bleacher style seating to put like the way that sh- shows are taped now is pretty much mirrored exactly on how they did I love Lucy and as we've been saying they knew Lucy was better in front of an audience and one of the reasons they knew that specifically for this material was when they got turned away from one of the studios. They decided to take the show on the road and they did it as like a vaudeville act all over the country and it became this big hit. And so they knew exactly what worked and what worked in front of an audience. They also had to build their own theater. Most shows at this time were shot in New York. Based on what the infrastructure was for broadcasting television at the time, you had to shoot in New York uh, and you had to shoot on the Kinescope.
1: Kinescope is a low quality motion picture of the program photographed off the tube.
2: And Lucy and Ricky, they didn't like the idea of Kinescope. Because of the lack of cabling across the country, the quality was not as good as you got further west.
1: Right, there was no coaxial cable that reached across the country.
2: So watching something that was broadcast in Kinescope from New York when you lived out on the west coast was not as good. And they wanted to have an experience the viewers where everyone was seeing the same thing so they insisted on shooting it on film like a movie like a moving picture and like a motion like a pic- a talk picture <laughs> uh, but it, it required all these all these new sort of methods of production to happen in that like they needed somebody who could light a set for three different cameras and like that's a whole skill set that didn't exist uh, and the idea of like designing uh, how to where to put an audience and how to do all that that was all new stuff that they sort of were breaking ground and problem solving on the fly and they talk about in the books about how they, the team. They, they kind, of, kind of had this like ragtag team of misfits on the crew, and that everyone had different backgrounds. Like, there were people from radio, people from TV, from, from the movies, like some people from who didn't. theater. So, and they sort of mishmashed everybody together and were able to do this thing, which was unheard of. So, t- in order to pay for filming the show, Desi and Lucy took
0: a $1,000 a week uh, pay cut help cover the costs because they knew it was so important
2: to them. And then Desi became a producer as part of that deal as well. They had to take a cut from the writers, from the head writers. They both lost $25 a week, which at the time was a significant amount of money. It's Um, groceries. Seriously, (laughs) that's like two LA salads. (laughs) Now. Now. Maybe. A salad and a half.
1: (laughs) But in the same negotiation, they retained 80% of the rights to the like original film and the rest the other 20 went to Jess Oppenheimer. And the network gave it up so easily because they had no use for a TV show after it aired. They didn't know what you would do with like the actual negatives, negatives so desi is kind of a genius i mean he definitely predicted the future and they used it as early as the second season that was like all profit for yeah. lucy and desi they mm-hmm.
2: invented syndication this is what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> allison and molly were so excited to tell you guys about how they invented syndication. mind
2: meld uh, um
0: without them wanna... we wouldn't have friends on every single channel right? big bang theory on every single channel <laughs> or
1: i love lucy reruns on yeah TV yeah who oh, would we be thank
0: you desi, who would i be for creating this podcast exactly There's There's so many levels produced by desi <laughs>
2: um should we give him like posthumous <laughs>
1: producer <laughs> credits
2: <laughs> yeah he gets all the royalties for this podcast <laughs> Philip Morris was a sponsor. You'll notice in your viewing that he, it is a prominent product. <laughs> yeah,
1: the original product placement.
2: Now we can't escape it. <laughs> um, it was announced that the
0: BL client, Philip Morris Cigarettes, would assume sponsorship of the series in excess of $20,000 per week. That
1: might be the whole budget of the show.
2: So in addition to Lucy and Desi, we had the two other characters. Right, Fred and Ethel
1: from Jess Oppenheimer's memoir um, he said, we could pursue the examination of marriage from these two different age levels and economic levels pair them off as a couple against couple, women against men or halves against have-nots, all setups that worked for us on the radio series
2: and a different style of marriage yeah. or style of affection sure. perhaps
1: I mean, shots fired Ricky loves Lucy more than Fred loves Ethel it seems yes.
2: hot take <laughs> <laughs> sort of an exploration for me Is like the two ways that men can feel about women, where it's loving and adoring, or just sort of fed up with and like not impressed by. So it's like these two polar opposite approaches to women. I really think that Fred is the star of this series, Uh, and there's there's a lot happening here.
1: Molly's gonna give us all Fred insights from now until forever. I
2: also hate Fred. You will also hear like,
1: (laughs) hot take. Um, I
2: Fred I find very troubling. Um, I I mean. I think it's going to be a recurring moment for me where it's like why Ricky is bae and why Fred is the worst. That's just how I feel yeah. about all there of it. There are two
0: types of men in the
2: world. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a Ricky.
1: I think that'll definitely be a segment we explore with each episode is what's going on with Ricky, what's going on with Fred. Yeah. Okay, so Fred and Ethel played by Vivian Vance and William Frawley.
0: So Vivian Vance was a theater believed that Desi had gone down to see her in a play and they cast her on this cast her on the spot after seeing her but they wanted someone who was older than Lucy and the thing we keep reading about is how on the show she was made to be a lot less attractive than Lucy was a little bit heavier a little bit dumpier I hate using that word but that's she's a not good, styled she's not as stylish yeah
1: yes definitely it obviously was a clear choice that they made dress her differently but Vivian Vance in real life is a babe.
2: Yeah she's beautiful. Well and the other thing is William Frawley is obviously older than they than everyone else in the show and the idea was that the couple is older. He was 64 when they started shooting the show and Lucy Lucille Ball was 40. Mm-hmm. Which
1: let's talk about that. She is the lead of a show at 40 years old and a woman in 1951. Mm.
0: Childless too.
1: Childless mm-hmm. exactly. That's kind of amazing considering I think that would even be a hard sell today oh
0: yeah you know studios and I feel like networks always want to say that people don't like to watch shows about middle-aged women or watch movies about middle-aged women not the case we all love that but yeah hard back then hard
2: now and Vivian Vance was I mean also a woman in her 40s she was only two years older than Lucy which is something that seems strange given how how the show is structured uh, but yeah there are two women who were 40 and 42. Also, fun fact: Lucy Lucille is a cougar because she's older than Desi,
0: and she had a hard time with that when they first started dating. I guess because she had been so used to dating older men, and he's six years younger than her, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! But he called her a
1: honk of a woman, so you really can't go back from that
2: honk <laughs> of a woman. Yeah, there's no turning back. <laughs> so, gentlemen out there, if you ever meet any of us, you know the magic words. Okay, I'm
0: downloading Tinder, and that's my new <laughs> Twitter <laughs> my new bio. Tinder bio: honk of a woman.
1: That will be. I. I mean, if anyone messages you with an "I love Lucy" reference, then that's your soulmate. I'm Game sorry. Yeah. yeah. Check,
0: please. <laughs> of a woman. Okay,
1: so um, William and Vivian, twenty years apart, and caused some problems because eventually Vivian, I guess, began to feel that it's it it was an insult to her that people would actually believe that someone her age would be married to someone William's age. <laughs>
2: And, like, no disrespect, it's not like he was, like, a Clooney-esque figure. Like, he wasn't aging super well. (laughs) No. He was a drinker, as we know.
1: So, Vivian Vance got cast later, but initially they had considered a, a woman named Barbara Pepper, who was a close friend of Lucy's, and that probably would have been, you know, a good dynamic for the show. She had just lost her husband and started drinking, and the network wouldn't hire her because of her drinking problem but they made an exception for William Frawley. Now they made him sign a contract to say he'd always be sober on set or he would lose his job. But still, that's a little uh, of a double standard for sure. I don't I don't know I the think rest she of came back story. as a guest star, I think. She did. She will
2: be on later so we can talk about her when stay she tuned. Yeah, when she come comes back on. for Barbara Pepper. <laughs> come for Lucy stay for Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the other thing is that William Frawley was not their first choice. There were a bunch of other people in the conversation. Okay, so James Gleason wanted $3,500 an episode, which is That's a lot. Again, Lucy and Desi made 4000 uh, and they were also producers and everything else, and so they didn't cast him.
1: And eventually, I think William Frawley made more than 3500 an episode, so... If he had just stuck it out, I think James would have really reaped the benefits. But you know what?
2: We all go into negotiations with our number and you win some, you lose some. <laughs> you win some, you lose Try some. A
0: nickel for every time.
2: <laughs> also, just um, to give you a little bit of a flavor of the kind of man William Frawley was, he referred to Vivian Vance as a sack of doorknobs. <laughs> A sack of doorknobs. Uh, so they did not have the best relationship. No, they did not. And I
0: guess that put a lot of like feeling behind their fights on camera. So I guess it was good. It was for their art, right? Yeah. But right. Right. One But Another interesting thing about Vivian Vance is they originally wanted her to put padding underneath her costumes so she would be a little bit heftier than she was. But Vivian was so against it, rightfully so. Go girl. But she told Joss Oppenheimer, quote, if my husband in the series makes fun of my weight and I'm actually fat, then the audience won't laugh they'll feel sorry for me but if he calls me a fat old bag and I'm not too heavy then it will seem
2: funny
1: you know what that's actually very brilliant Mm -hmm. comedically
2: for sure and that happens in other ways, too, where they figured out what people felt comfortable laughing at and, and when they felt bad for people. So one of the rules they instituted in the writer's room was that only Lucy was ever allowed to make fun of Ricky's accent. And they only broke the... I think there was one exception where they let Fred make some comment about mm-hmm. his lack of clear diction. And I think
0: there was a similar thing going on where it's like you couldn't be- you couldn't believe in an episode that Lucy or Ricky would actually cheat on one another. It all kind of had to be in jest for it to be funny.
1: I think this wraps up our little history of I Love Lucy. Our next episode will focus on the pilot episode, The Girls Want to Go to a Nightclub.
0: So tune in to us every week. We're going to talk about I Love Lucy, comedy, TV, during that time period and how it has progressed now, any modern Lucy-type figures that we see on TV nowadays, the Ethels and the Lucys of the world, Freds of the world.
1: And we'll talk about the plot and its larger implications for women, comedians, television, and those are our topics you can follow us at we love lucy pod on twitter and we love lucy podcast on instagram and facebook you
0: can also email us if you have anything you want us to focus on or any lucy questions or fact checked us please. please let us know if we're wrong we love that too but you can email us at we love lucy pod at gmail.com okay lucys